Welcome to Migrations, a world on the move, a series brought to you by Cornell University's Migrations Initiative. I'm Eleanor Painter, ACLS Fellow and Migrations Fellow, and your host for this podcast that seeks to understand our world through the interconnected movements that shape it. And I'm so pleased to be joined for this episode by Elena Bellina. Hi, Eleanor. I'm Elena Bellina, adjunct professor of Italian at New York University and co-host for this episode. The clip you just heard is from festivities organized by the large Sikh community of Novellara, Italy, to celebrate the birthday of Guru Nanak, founder of Sikhism. This particular celebration, that clip is from 2021, brought around 8,000 pilgrims from all over Italy to this small northern town of less than 14,000 inhabitants. The town's annual Nagar Kirtan festival, which was held just a few weeks ago, regularly welcomes 20,000 people. Novellara is an important European site for Sikhism. It's also a place where migration has shaped multiple aspects of everyday life. We headed to Novellara for this episode about encounters and crossings across multiple cultures. Yes, Eleanor and I visited Novellara this past summer to hear the story of this Indian Sikh community in the northern Italian Po Valley. The Sikhs of Novellara have played a crucial role in Italian farming and agricultural production since the 1990s. Migration to Italy is regularly in the news because of the precarious Mediterranean crossings that tens of thousands of people from African, Middle Eastern, and South Asian countries attempt every year. And that coverage, while important, can paint a picture that migration to Italy is a new phenomenon or that it only concerns the country's external borders. In this episode, we offer a different perspective on migrations in the Italian context. So instead of crisis, we're thinking about community and instead of Lampedusa and the Mediterranean Sea, we're heading north to the small town of Novellara in the region of Emilia-Romagna. And this is a town that today counts more than 50 different immigrant communities among its residents. In the 1980s, Italy became a net destination country with more arrivals than departures. And this period was marked by arrivals from North and West Africa and from Eastern Europe, including young men who saw Italy as a place where they might find steady work and establish lives. As we will hear in this episode, among the young men arriving in Italy in the 1980s were six. Mostly coming from the Punjab region of India, they brought with them farming skills and cultural knowledge that made them especially adept in the Italian dairy industry, including the many farms in the Emilia-Romagna and Lombardy regions that supply the milk for the Parmesan cheese production, or in Italian, Parmigiano-Reggiano, as you'll hear. Six started to fill the vacant farming jobs that Italians no longer wanted. Interestingly, Sikhs and immigrants from rural areas throughout India started to be particularly sought after, and groups of Sikhs moved to small wealthy towns like Novellara all over the Po Valley. As they worked and saved money, their, their wives and children over, and in the process they created large communities that would keep those towns alive. As you will hear today in this episode, the Sikhs of Novellara created a strong network and have built temples and community centers that have transformed and sustained life in the area. Novellara is now home to one of the largest Sikh Gurdwara temples in Italy and Europe. But of course, integration is not a one-way or a finite process, and the story of this Sikh community and of Novellara more broadly is also a story about ongoing negotiations 
across religious traditions, across bureaucratic hurdles, and across generations, and from the initial struggles to build stable lives in the region to questions about what the future holds for this area. To tell this story, we'll hear from three people connected to Novelara. Iqbal Singh, vice president of the local Gurdwara, who welcomed us into the space when we visited this past summer. Sociologist Dr. Barbara Bertolani, who's done extensive ethnographic research with Sikh communities in Italy. And Novellara Mayor Elena Carletti, whom we spoke with at her office this past July. Here's Mayor Carletti. Since I have become mayor, I have understood the importance of uh, intercultural dialogue because uh, uh, Novellara has changed a lot, especially since uh, the 90s when uh, uh, we have known, we have met new cultures uh, coming from uh, basically from Pakistan, from North Africa, from China, uh, Eastern Europe and above all from India. Uh, we have uh, two um, important Indian communities here. Uh, one is uh, the Hindu community, but the most important uh, also from uh, the point of view of uh, the number of uh, people is the Sikh community. Um, the Sikh community started coming here in our territories uh, at the very beginning of the 90s. They were attracted by the economy uh, in the sense that uh, uh, we live in an important area from the economic point of view. It's uh, one of the most uh, industrialized area of Italy, uh, well known from for the, um, uh, for example, for the, the we they called it motor valley so because here we have ferrari maserati lamborghini so it's a very rich and uh, yes industrialized area but uh, on the other side uh, bassa reggiana pianura padana is 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 still a is still an agricultural area uh, well known for the um, most important product that is uh, the Parmesan cheese and then the Parmas, ham and uh, aceto, vin balsamic vinegar and, uh, and so on. So we are motor valley and food valley. And here's Iqbal Singh. My name is Iqbal Singh and I am the vice president of the Sikh temple in Novellara. I first came to Italy in 1982. First, I worked for the circus. I worked all over Italy, from Sardinia to Sicily, from north to south. I first came to Italy because I was looking for work. I had been debating whether or not I should leave India, but I called my brother and he got me a visa to come work for the circus. That's how I first came here. My brother was already here in Reggio Emilia in the 80s, working at a factory. He's always been here, since then all the way up to now that he's retired. But initially, he also worked for the circus. Before around 1982, all of the Indians who came here to Italy worked for a circus. Then, of course, things have changed for all of us. Now I'm here. Now our kids have gone to school, and why would they want to work here? Out of our children, some of them are lawyers, others are pilots. All of these different kinds of young people have all different kinds of jobs. They aren't like us old people. Like me, who used to work in agriculture and milked cows from 1989 to 1995. 
I worked at a farm that later closed here in Reggio Emilia, in the small town of Gavasa. I was looking for work at the time. I lived with my friends from India. At the time, it wasn't easy to find housing, so it was common for five, six, seven of us to live together and share rooms. I went back to India to get married and came back to Italy, to Reggio Emilia, and stayed there. It's a long story. They didn't pay us at the circus. Instead, they beat us up and took our passports. They didn't give us our residency permits. I wound up finding the CGIL Workers Union in Bologna. I went with seven of my friends to tell them about what they were doing to us, how they took our documents, didn't pay us, beat us up. They put us up in a hotel for the night and called a journalist the next day who wrote about us in the press. That made the circus owners come back crying, saying they'd give us back all of our documents. The law at the time made it so that we weren't able to change our residency permits, even once we had our passports. I went to the union and they told me not to worry, that they'd handle it. They paid for everything and got us the correct documents. So I came back to Protofontana and went around the province looking for a job. That's how I eventually met this woman who hired me, who I call Mama. She's like a mother to me. I'll be grateful to her for the rest of my life. I saw her one day when I got off the train and I could tell she was a farmer. I was born a farmer. She was holding a pitchfork with hay. I went up to her and said, good afternoon, ma'am. I'm looking for work. Can you hire me? I lied and told her I'd been working for years. While Iqbal and the growing Sikh community were finding employment and building stable lives for themselves in the area, they also worked hard to establish a religious home for their community, a Gudvara or a Sikh temple. This would be a place for them to house the Guru Granth Sahib, the Sikh sacred text. It would also be a space where the growing group could gather and pray and celebrate their traditions, both within their community and by opening their doors to the Italian neighbors, most of whom were more familiar with Catholicism than with Sikhism. Our temple was the first Sikh temple in Europe, but we've only been at this location since 2002. Before, our temple was located in the nearby town of Rio Salicetto. This is the story of that temple. In 1989, an English priest who lived in London came to Italy. Back then, there weren't many Sikhs or people from our country here. There were very few of us, no more than 100. This priest arrived here and called a meeting with our friends. I was at the market shopping when one of my colleagues called and said, there's a priest here from London who wants to talk with us. My older brother lived in a temple in the town of Correggio. There was a basement where we would all come together and pray. That evening, there were about 60 of us. After we all prayed together, the English priest asked us why we hadn't opened a temple, a gurdwara here in Italy. Our response was, how would we do that? There weren't that many of us. The community didn't know us. They wouldn't give us the space to do it. It was hard enough to come here and find work. At that point, companies wouldn't hire Indians because they didn't know us yet. We asked the priest how we were supposed to open a temple when we couldn't even find a job. But he told us that he'd help us. So we said, wonderful. If you can give us a hand, we'll do it. As soon as we'd made the decision, we started going around town to identify a place where we could open our temple. We all discussed it, and I talked to my brother, who is the president of our temple, we all went to the owner of the place we found together and explained to him that we wanted a place where we could pray. In order to rent the place, we also had to get permission from the mayor of Rio Salicetto, and eventually we drew up a contract. Our first book isn't even here in the temple. It's in Rome. The first festival we held was in that location. Many people arrived, and we were able to collect offerings for the temple. Slowly, Sikh Indians from all over Italy started to arrive at our temple in Rio Salicetto. 
The first time, there were 200 of us, and the number slowly grew. There was a massive earthquake in 1996. Around that time, we had to close down our location because some of the people who were living there didn't have authorization. We had to go to the town and explain that people had been living in the temple. We had to leave everything behind, including our sacred book. For over a year, we'd gather under a large tent to pray on Sundays. We slowly started to look for another large place to rent, and anywhere we went, the owners would call the town's mayor to ask if we were good people. We eventually found a beautiful location with a large warehouse around Rio Salicetto and Correggio. To rent the place, we went to the proprietor and the mayor of Novellara at the time, Sergio Calzari, more or less in 2002. He was great. He opened his arms and doors to us, and we eventually decided to take the location, even though it was expensive. A few of us made the choice to take it and said, give us a month and we'll make up the rest of what we need to cover the rent. By the first day we opened the new temple, we had already raised 30,000 lira. There were three or 4,000 of us. We continued growing and raising funds and the town was very happy with us. They helped us out a lot. Eventually the mayor asked why we weren't growing, suggesting we buy land because there was countryside around us. We asked if he'd allow us to buy land and he said, of course. So we decided to start building. It got complicated. You know what they say. You can have five fingers on one hand, but they'll all be different, have different opinions. They'll say, let's do this, let's do that. But eventually, we moved forward. We traveled all around Italy raising funds and returned to continue with the construction. We built a whole part of the temple back then, and there's another part we built this year. We can't say anything bad about Emilio Romagna, but Novellara and their community have always treated us with the utmost respect. Later on, there was another mayor who was great, Elena Carletti. Whenever we need something, they've always opened their doors to us. They always help us out, but we give back to the community too. A few years ago, we gifted the town a new ambulance. After the latest earthquake a few years ago, we helped people out with everything from blankets to food. Now, there are many of our friends and compatriots around who live and work here. Industrial jobs, agricultural jobs, just like everyone else. What I've seen uh, while doing research in the UK and in Italy as well is that the Gurvara especially is a place that is considered like a home-like space. That's sociologist Barbara Bertolani. There are a lot of activities and functions that can be also found in, an, in a private home. You can eat, for example, you can, maybe you can listen to others and, and chat and, and read and uh, relax yourself and pray also and so on. So it's a semi-public space that resembles a little bit a, a home-like space, even for the fact that uh, there is, of course, a, a strong connection with uh, um, diaspora, other diasporic spaces uh, and uh, with uh, Indian uh, Punjabi religious buildings uh, uh, elsewhere. So in, in the diaspora, but also in the motherland. So uh, the Gurvara acts as a, a sort of device that connects people from uh, that they are in the diaspora and links them to uh, their past lives, uh, uh, different situations, uh, uh, different places, uh, and different times of their lives. 
So uh, through uh, the religion and through the Gurdwara itself as a space, um, which is um, home-like, um, people uh, rebuild their identities and, uh, let's say, shape a sort of um, line and of continuous, uh, continuum of their uh, personal identities, personal and collective identities. So Guevara is a very important space, even uh, from this point of view. And of course, Guevara is the house, let's say the home of uh, the Guru Granth Sahib, which is uh, the sacred uh, text for Sikhs, and which is considered to be a living guru. Uh, so you will probably know that uh, it is handled uh, through religious seva according to precise rituals that are the same in the diaspora and in India. So even these uh, ritual part of uh, the religious service uh, is very important because it recollects to the past of the Sikhs and also to other, um, let's say, um, places uh, in India, of course. It has a, a very important linking function under a, an identity point of view and, of course, under a, a religious point of view. When I became mayor in 2014, um, I have decided, together with Erika and our staff, uh, to concentrate our um, policies on women. That's Mayor Elena Carletti again. Uh, because we realized that, um, okay, uh, intercultural dialogue was great uh, and we used to have and we still have uh, good uh, relations with uh, the different communities. But women uh, didn't participate. Uh, we, I, I, I remember I was at the very beginning of my experience as mayor and uh, I used to visit the different projects. And, and when I uh, went to, to school to see the courses of Italian organized for the foreign communities, I realized that women didn't participate or a small number of women and so we started thinking about uh, about this moreover uh, when I was in my campagna elettorale electoral campaign electoral campaign I met also uh, the foreign communities and I met also Indians and uh, the they told me, you know what, uh, we, uh, we love Novellara, uh, but uh, mm, our women need to work because uh, uh, it's difficult to support a family made of uh, uh, two, three, four children uh, with only one uh, uh, the breadwinner, <laughs> okay. and uh, and so we need the work for our women, but it's difficult because uh, okay, so um, we decided to work and to concentrate our our policies on it, 
And uh, thanks to our mediatori culturali, uh, we started uh, uh, contacting uh, women of the different cultures. And uh, okay, their problem was really basic, I mean, they told us, but if you organize courses in the late afternoon, we cannot attend it because we have families, we have, we have our children coming back from school, we, we need to prepare dinner. It was so banal. <laughs> and so obvious when you, obvious. when you start to think about it. Yeah. So we, we, we started organizing courses in the morning. Uh, we um, contacted uh, a group of uh, volunteer babysitters helping women uh, with uh, small young young children and they started coming here because we didn't have a school uh, available in the morning because uh, they were not uh, occupied by students so here to the municipal offices here yes uh, in the civil uh, civic room that is a uh, a room uh, open for the meetings and the conferences and um, day after day they started coming here uh, and it was a real mess because there were an, a big big number of women and our corridors were full of um, uh, babysitters with these young children <laughs> running uh, up and down the municipality and it was uh, incredible and then the teachers came here to make a photocopy it was incredible. The municipality was uh, a kind of uh, school full of people and children and, and uh, when we realized that uh, it was a success, uh, we started uh, looking for um, uh, um, money to uh, invest in a, in a real school. It is, uh, in my opinion, uh, an example of uh, a uh, very positive, uh, um, uh, let's say, uh, integration of uh, uh, religious minorities uh, in Italy. Um, because uh, six uh, uh, managed uh, in, um, let's say, integrate themselves in this territory, first of all, uh, from a, an economic point of view, because they, uh, for example, they... Um, uh, they, they, they took on, uh, for example, um, uh, works, uh, they, they, they made up for the lack of local labor and also uh, for the generational turnover in small and medium-sized enterprises, and especially in the breeding of dairy cattle uh, for the production of Parmigiano Reggiano, which is a uh, very famous uh, uh, cheese and a product of uh, our region. Um, and they also uh, were, they went to work in all these uh, niche and, 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 and uh, um, economic uh, sectors uh, that are very hard, for example, not just agriculture, but uh, also the diaries or uh, I don't know, the foundry and, uh, and so on, where n no one uh, among Italians uh, wanted to work. So uh, that was their first uh, step. 
Then, uh, when they build the temple, uh, they, um, they are famous because, uh, at least in Novellara, because uh, um, they fulfilled all financial commitments on time. Uh, they were very, they proved to be very reliable under an economic point of view. And that was the first step to, uh, to build a, a sort of connection with the local uh, institutions and the local people. Longer-term questions are shaped by at least two major factors. First, the country's citizenship laws. Unlike the U.S., which has birthplace or jus soli citizenship, Italian citizenship operates via jus sanguinis or bloodline, bloodline policy. In practice, that often means that the grandchildren of Italians who emigrated abroad have an easier time becoming citizens than immigrants in Italy and their children born and raised in Italy. And second, Young people across Italy face real struggles when it comes to finding steady employment, and the country is grappling with young adults who see moving abroad, within or beyond Europe, as their only chance for building a future. So while migration has reshaped places like Novellara, these intergenerational issues are raising important questions about the future. Probably the, the biggest change, uh, we can see it at you know, schools. Um, I mean, uh, classrooms are so different uh, compared to 20-30 years ago. Um, our children today, they have a great opportunity. They know the world before visiting it. I mean, my, my son um, knows many countries all around the world uh, and uh, he has a real conscious of uh, the differences. And, uh, and this is one of the most important aspects of our change, of this change. Um, and uh, it's not easy. It's not easy because, uh, of course, we have... Uh, okay, Novellara is a town of uh, 13,000... 500 inhabitants, so it's not a big town, it's a small town. But in Novellara uh, they live more than 50 different cultures. Okay, the most uh, important are Indians, uh, uh, Chinese, uh, people from Pakistan, North Africa, and then there are many other people from uh, Tasmania or uh, uh, Eastern Europe and so on, but more than 50 cultures living in a small village means that uh, uh, if you go to, to visit the school, uh, we will see a classroom made of uh, 25 children, uh, uh, 10 from uh, 10 Italians, uh, 8 Indians, uh, 2 Pakistani and 2 Chinese, so it's a world. So on the point of view of education, I think the, it has been the biggest change in, uh, in these last uh, 20 years. 
And um, but as I as I was saying, I think that uh, this is a great opportunity in terms of uh, education. Even if uh, Italy has uh, a very big problem, and I will try to, to say it in English, uh, even if maybe it's a little bit difficult. Um, we don't have teachers, foreign teachers, because uh, il reclutamento, che non so come si dica in inglese, hiring. Yeah, recruitment. Recruitment. Yes. Recru the re recruiting of, of new uh, teachers. Exactly. In Italy, if you want to... Um, se devi partecipare a un concorso pubblico, eh, devi avere la cittadinanza italiana ah, ed è molto difficile così. so to become a teacher you have to have Italian citizenship yes. basically because it's a public and, uh, competition yes, basically and this is an enormous problem for school but also for the public administ yeah. administration because uh, it would be great if only we could have part of teachers or uh, public administration represented by uh, people from abroad. It would be great, but it's not like this. And this is a big, big problem. Uh, this is the reason why in Italy, nowadays, in these days, there is a, a, a great uh, discussion about use uh, soli, use scole. Um, the, 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 the Italian citizenship is uh, very important for the young generations and they cannot uh, uh, wait for 20 years before uh, becoming uh, Italian citizens. And this is an example. We have uh, many um, Indians or uh, also from other countries that, has, that, that are attending university or, but they cannot they still cannot become teachers or because there's a kind of uh, wall <laughs> and uh, I think that uh, this is a very big problem for our um, for our organization the state organization because uh, uh, and for school because if you I mean we have very good teachers but if they don't have this kind of sensibility, uh, mm, attention, mm, they cannot uh, support a classroom made of uh, five, six different nationality. Um, and so I think that uh, this is one of the aspects in which our country must uh, invest and uh, because uh, it would be a real big change, because there's a kind of dichotomy between real life and organization of the, of the state with the school, public administrations. Uh, um. Yeah, I, I really like how you put it also in terms of um, that the part of the problem is sort of access to certain career paths, but then it's also about kids seeing themselves represented yes. in these yes. spaces it, where they're in the classroom or in public office and how important that is for fostering a sense of, of community and a sense of belonging for exactly. a, really, a, a growing and changing, very diverse community. Exactly. The point is this, they, they need to be represented and 
And Italians too would benefit would benefit from this uh, um, presence. And so this is um, a, this is still a problem in, in our country. But I think y you you <laughs> you know uh, the 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 discussion in Italy is crazy about. Uh, migrants and uh, in this last year uh, has been a real mess um, and this is the reason why I'm very happy when someone wants to, uh, to know a reality like Novellara because we can talk about migrants in a different way uh, because we are trying to build a, a new kind of society and with the Indians, I think that uh, we, are, we are doing good. But there's another problem. The new, the second and third generations of migrants are going away. And we have invested a lot on them. Starting from schools, social services, um, opportunities. And uh, we are losing uh, maybe uh, more because uh, they are the link between their parents and Italians. And uh, losing these new generations means a lot for us because if they decided to move, uh, if they decided to, decide to move to Germany, to, uh, to Canada, uh, to Great Britain, uh, we uh, we lose uh, uh, the we lose our future. Uh, you know, two weeks ago I was uh, I I was at a basketball uh, tournament, okay, and uh, okay the the, the young team of Novellara uh, they won 10, 11 years old, okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, a team composed by boys from uh, different origins, okay. And um, during the, um, the ceremony, yes, uh, okay, they got their uh, medals their and so on. Whatever, yeah. But uh, uh, there was a special T-shirt created for one of them. He is moving away with his family, he's saying goodbye Novellara, they were moving, they, they will go to Germany. And it was his last, uh, uh, last uh, game. game with his friends, but uh, it was not his last game. I realized that uh, we are losing much more, we are losing a family, we are losing children that, that were here. Uh, and, uh, and they are moving away and they will build our lives uh, in another country. And this is a very, very big problem. So in some way, we, the government has to create conditions uh, because these people mm, have to, they, they have to imagine their future here. It's not, uh, uh, non è la tappa di un viaggio, cioè l'Italia non deve essere la tappa di un viaggio, deve essere la meta.
Yeah, Italy doesn't need to just be a, a stop en route somewhere else, but it, it should be its own destination. They should be able, yes. I like what you said, but they should be able to imagine their We own futures here. We must be their destination. Per molti di questo parte qui in Italia vengono, per molti andare là America, Canada, anche là, perché quanto ragazzi fanno studente Many Indians now don't want to come work here anymore. Some still come to Italy, but many go to America, Canada. They don't want to work in the fields, in agriculture. They don't want to do what I did here. For example, I have a daughter and a son. Both are married and got degrees in London and live there. My son always thinks of Italy because he grew up here and went to school here and he loves it. My daughter wants to live in the UK. She has her life and is very happy with her house. It's very different here, but the thing is, everyone has options. Thanks for listening to Migrations, A World on the Move, a podcast by Global Cornell's Migrations Global Grand Challenge, a multidisciplinary, multi-species initiative that studies how the movements of people, animals, microbes, resources, ideas, and more shape our world. You can learn more about the initiative at migrations.cornell.edu, where you can also find relevant links from this episode. Follow us on Twitter at CornellMig. This podcast is hosted by Eleanor Painter, ACLS Fellow and Migrations Fellow with the Mario Anaudi Center for International Studies. The episode you've just heard was co-hosted by Elena Bellina, adjunct faculty in Italian at New York University. Special thanks again to our episode guests, Iqbal Singh, Barbara Bertolani, and Elena Carletti. Voiceover for Iqbal Singh was provided by Cornell senior Daniel Bernstein. Translations were provided by Isabella Corletto. Thanks to support from the Department of Modern Languages and Cultures and the Arnold and Anne Lisio Endowed Distinguished Professorship in Italian Language and Culture at the University of Rochester. Our producer is Megan Dement. Much of the podcast was produced at Cornell University on the traditional homelands of the Cayuga Nation, and we recognize Cayuga Nation sovereignty and the indigenous peoples who have lived and continue to live on this land. Our music is Basically Really by Steve Fawcett. Migrations, A World on the Move is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. <laughs>